GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. You may have seen the Moorish Castle lit up in purple. It's World Pancreatic Cancer Day tomorrow. And ahead of that, survivor, campaigner, Luis Baldaguino joined us to discuss a very challenging diagnosis and, importantly, what symptoms to look out for. But first, Pedro Sánchez is seeking a new term as Spain's Prime Minister in Parliament today. It could be a big moment for Gibraltar and could see the resumption of negotiations over a future relationship treaty for us. Following the proceedings in the Spanish Parliament was Kevin Ruiz. The Spanish investiture is now underway. Pedro Sánchez began his address before Parliament at 12 today. And I say is underway because um, there were plans to derail it. There were plans to uh, get it cancelled. Vox um, did seek an injunction with the Spanish Supreme Court who rejected um, their injunction. Um, Vox trying to um, you know, get it stopped. Um, it has gone ahead. There are 1,600 uh, officers patrolling the perimeter of the Congreso, of course, wow. amid the protests, the uh, demonstrations and the social tension in Spain um, over the last few days. Of course, Sanchez has pacted with the Catalans that um, amnesty bill will be one of the first things to go through if Sanchez is, uh, succeeds in becoming Spain's next premier. Of course, remember as well, um, it was Feijó who won the election. Um, it is the Pepe who control the majority of Spain. They control 14 of the um, Spanish autonomous communities. Remember, Spain has 17 Spanish uh, um, autonomous communities plus the two um, autonomous cities of Ceuta and Melilla. They control 14, the Pepe. So right. they've organised those mass demonstrations as well. Um, there are people chanting outside. There aren't the expected numbers today protesting the investiture. Um, just uh, checking up on, on, on those Twitter feeds, um, feeding us the video from, from the outside. Pedro Sanchez, his uh, address now underway. And so far, I think we can encapsulate it. He's uh, framed it all as part of a global struggle against the right and the far right. La derecha radical, uh, la derecha reaccionaria, which he calls a flagelio, a scourge. He says the far right wants a return to the past. And what he's proposing is progress and the advancement of democracy. I think we've got a bite there. Como también debemos elegir si queremos seguir avanzando en la dignidad del trabajo, en el empoderamiento de las mujeres, en el respeto a la diversidad sexual, en la integración de la población migrante y también en el continuo azar que tienen muchísimas personas discapacitadas y que necesitan y reclaman esa dignidad que las autoridades públicas deben otorgarles y la creencia de que una sociedad plural es sin duda alguna una sociedad mejor. O si por el contrario pues lo que hacemos es secundar a los profetas del odio que quieren encerrar a las mujeres en las cocinas, a las personas LGTBI en los armarios y a los migrantes en campos de refugiados. Sánchez, today ahead of the... También debemos elegir si queremos seguir avanzando en la dignidad del trabajo, en el empoderamiento de las mujeres, en el respeto a la diversidad sexual, o si por el contrario pues lo que hacemos es secundar a los profetas del odio que quieren encerrar a las mujeres en las cocinas, a las personas LGTBI en los armarios... 
So, uh, Kevin, we, we heard there, just for emphasis, that uh, that that repeated, that last part, Profetas del Odio. Uh, Pedro Sanchez really sort of uh, putting the PSOE as the party in favour of a pluralistic, diverse society and really sort of coming down heavy on, on, on the right in Spain. Yes, I mean, the whole narrative so far, he's an hour into his address... Has, has been has been that not the global struggle against the right and the far right um he's warning against he says the far right wants to return to the past he's proposing progress and the advancement of democracy of course this is paving the way for the latter part of his address which will focus on el programa para el país um that um electoral program that plan that he has a whole country program for spain um of course it's one his previous program was all about social and rights and advancement and um, this will be um, a, a big part of his next programme. He's also forming a coalition with Sumar, and I am aware of timing, um, importantly for Gibraltar today's investiture. Gibraltar would favour, um, would benefit from Sanchez being re-elected or reinstalled as the Spanish Premier, and it would be a different combination this time round, because last time we had it with Podemos, this time we've got he would form a coalition government with Sumar, which... To understanding, Sumar is a is a is a is a far left um, that described as a far left electoral platform. They're also the biggest coalition of minority national and regional parties in Spain in the history of Spanish uh, in the history of Spain. Sumar also favours a treaty for Gibraltar, and they're all for guaranteeing the livelihoods and the rights of the cross border workers. So we think that um, he has the numbers, basically, because... 179 he... votes ahead of the investiture. He managed to close that. Of course, that controversial amnesty bill depends on it. Um, so he's expected to go through. The vote happens tomorrow, and Sanchez is expected to be reinstalled. He, he had to do it before the 27th of November? Yes, uh, the, the whole uh, process expires uh, next week. That's why the rush to get the investiture completed this week. If Sanchez fails, he needs a majority... If he fails, he gets a second attempt, and this would happen on Saturday when he would require a simple majority. But Sanchez is expected to be reinstalled by the end of tomorrow. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. And we're going to talk now to Luis Valdaquino, who was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer in 2015 and told he had just um, two to six months to live. And uh, against the odds, here he is eight years later, and despite other health complications and lots of treatments and a clinical trial, eight years uh, since your diagnosis, um, a, a real pleasure to welcome you into the studio, Lewis. Thank you. Um, your goal is to reach the ten-year milestone, which which just one percent of uh, people diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. That's right. Yes. Achieve. Uh, pan- yeah, uh, pancreatic cancer is the one of the lowest uh, survival that has the lowest survival rates. Uh, ten years over ten years is one percent. Yeah, uh, over five is about eight percent. Uh, yeah, but it's unfortunately one of the uh, fastest killing cancers, so the survival rate is very low. Yeah. How are you feeling today? Good, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, a bit, a bit stressed out because of the events that we obviously we carry out during the the month, uh, but everything going to plan. Um, so yeah, uh, looking forward to tomorrow, which the uh, awareness day in outside the hospital in uh, St Benedict's Hospital, uh, and obviously Purple Day tomorrow. We're purple. Um, 
and lots of uh, supermarkets, restaurants, shops, uh, schools, all having uh, T-shirts, um, the purple colored uh, T-shirts of the charity. So looking forward. Yep. Well, I've worn my polo shirt today um, because I know I knew that you were coming in, and I right. wanted to, to have some purple Thank to market. Luis, you. <laughs> um, you you talk. I mean, we know that you're a very active campaigner, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think obviously uh, as somebody whose life has been touched in the way that it has by pancreatic cancer, uh, that people will understand why you're so passionate about it. And and I don't think anybody would criticize you for it. But you said that you're a little bit stressed because of all those events. Is that is that, uh, are you supposed to try and minimize the stress that you put yourself under? No, no, I mean, stress out as a normal person would be stressed out during events. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's yeah. not contrary to your doctor's advice? No, 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 absolutely, no, no, no. Uh, 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 sorry, um, on the contrary, it, it, uh, they encourage to be active, to keep going, uh, it keeps me motivated. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yes, uh, getting on with, uh, with, with things, yeah. I mean, your your story is uh, is an exceptional one of survival and of beating the odds against a backdrop of very poor uh, survival. And I know that you wanted to to mention the local statistics that you have to hand. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the um, for the past in the past seven years, only in the in the past seven years, over fifty fifty three to be exact have uh, passed away of pancreatic cancer. Um, 54 have been diagnosed in the past uh, seven years. So uh, then we're going to be a mathematician. He's only one person under treatment uh, which has been recently diagnosed. So um, it tells you the story of um, uh, how um, how deadly the cancer is, how fast-killing the cancer is. Um, only in the past years I've met with families that have lost their, their loved ones in months some even with within weeks six seven weeks they've uh, been diagnosed and um and they have passed away uh, so um yeah it's it's a very um as i said a very fast killing and deadly uh, cancer so it's very very important for uh, for uh, for the general public to not, to be aware of the symptoms uh, it's uh, also the Medical doctors, GPs, have to be aware of the vague symptoms that, unfortunately, pancreatic cancer uh, has, and um, and that's why the difficulty in being being able to diagnose in in uh, at an at an early stage. Uh, most of these uh, cancers are sorry, pancreatic cancer are diagnosed in the in the later stages, uh, three stage three or stage four. That's why it's so deadly. Um, and, and I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about the symptoms in just a moment. But uh, you talked about the um, the local statistics in the past seven years of the fifty four diagnoses, which exclude yours because you, you, you was eight, yeah. eight, eight years ago. Yeah. So of of fifty four um, diagnoses of pancreatic cancer since then over the past seven years, uh, f- fifty one. 53. 53 people have mm-hmm. lost their lives. Yeah, and, ju- one. and just one person mm-hmm. That's uh, right, survived. Yeah. Um, on, on, average, on average, it's about eight diagnosed and eight passed away every year, basically. Yeah. And, and how, as somebody who's a campaigner uh, and, and, and has been through it, um, when somebody's diagnosed, you, you, I imagine you get to hear about it. 
That's right, yeah. Uh, in, most cases, in most cases, the uh, the or family members or the patients of the, uh, uh, himself, uh, they they approach me. Uh, would I talk uh, with them? Uh, give them encouragement, obviously. Uh, uh, give us any advice of what to expect. Uh, and yes, uh, obviously, they uh, they come to to me and to the charity for, for that for advice and encouragement. Yeah. And what do you say to them on, on the sort of front of um, being hopeful? How, how, do you, how do you balance that message of hope with the reality that it yeah. is such a deadly diagnosis? That's right, yeah, it's, it's difficult, obviously. Um, you've got to um, um, advise them that obviously it's a big challenge. They've got to face uh, they're going to face if they want if they if they want to survive and carry on they have to just keep fighting uh, and obviously accept that they're going to be very very difficult times uh, you but you've got to never lose hope of what can happen to you uh, obviously medicine has advanced uh, uh, of the um, in the past uh, years uh, clinical trials are there um, and just keep going and uh, and uh, one of the things that motivated me is that uh, you've got to forget those uh, statistics because if you are if it's one percent over ten years, but it, there is a percentage there. So if you, I'm could, part, you could be that one percent. That's right. If I'm that one percent, I'm. It's for me. It's one hundred percent. So um, that's the way I, I I focus when I talk to them that. Uh, they over five years it's eight percent so you can be part of that eight percent so uh, you've got to encourage them to n- don't do soap carry on fighting and me- the the mental strength is very very important obviously there's a physical side with other treatments that uh, the that you're going to go through uh, but the physical side has got to be pushed by the mental side uh, you've got to push yourself to to the limit but days uh, uh, just bad days. Tomorrow can be a better day or can be an even worse day, but it doesn't matter. You just carry on fighting and believing that you're going to survive. Now, I asked the question earlier uh, 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 to, to our listeners whether they are a glass half empty person or a mm-hmm. glass half full. Uh, Heidi says that it depends on the day. She thinks that she's quite a positive person, but some days uh, she does feel negative. Uh, but she recognizes that negativity is of no good to anyone. So she says we do, uh, we must try to be positive at the worst of times, which really is uh, sort of uh, echoing your your message, uh, Lewis. Uh, and Paul has been in touch to say that um, he is finding it tough nowadays because there is a lot of um, uh, there, there is a lot to be worried about generally in, in our lives. But Paul says that he does always try to stay positive and and he recognizes that there is value in being positive um so so these are just a a number of of our listeners we've got more that i'll I'll touch upon in just a moment but but generally when you have the the conversation lewis as a, a pancreatic cancer survivor um campaigner champion when you have that conversation with others who have received the diagnosis can they do you find that they are on balance able to remain hopeful yes i mean uh they 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 do uh some of them obviously uh they uh, as i said it, it, they 
I think for the in the, in the past year, the the persons that have been diagnosed have only lasted a few months. Uh, so uh, I've talked to uh, talked to them initially, uh, and they they've been encouraged from and, um, and they've been encouraged to carry on fighting, and and yes, they they um, they they the, the feel that they get is that they uh, they feel the the that they they're going to go through a very bad. Uh, and difficult times, uh, but they they um, that they're going to fight for um, uh, they're going to fight to uh, to uh, survive. Yeah, and I mean uh, I know it's generally the, the the value of of feeling positive, but but what did it mean to you? What has it meant to you during these eight years? But in particular, early on before you had your surgery, and I would like to talk to you about. The diagnosis and, and the treatment and, and how you lived that period, but but in general terms, how important was um, that that positivity and remaining hopeful for you in the early days of your diagnosis? Uh, absolutely crucial. I mean, um, the first two weeks were uh, really horrible. I've got to admit, I was <laughs> crying every single day for the for the first uh, two weeks. But then you realise that you got to. Uh, keep going, and I, I I thought of my family. I had a young family at the time. Uh, um, I I wanted to see um, my young daughter go to university. I wanted to see my sons getting married. Uh, so that motivated me on in keep going. Uh, I um, I uh, I just had to think about anything to keep me motivated to uh, to actually keep going. Uh, and it was absolutely crucial. I mean, um, doctors have told me that uh, part of my uh, of my success, if I can call it that way, is um, the, my mental strength uh, in carry on with all the treatments. Because at the beginning, um, first treatment, then the surgery, then I had three or four treatments that just didn't work, but they just kept going. I said positive. Um, and and uh, then I went to the clinical trial, which was the 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 uh, treatment that actually um, yeah got rid of the of the cancer. Uh, I'd like to ask you. You were t- telling us a little bit about your uh, your diagnosis and the early treatment. When um, I understand you, you you had to travel up to Pamplona in the north of Spain. Um, once a week, and you'd go up on a Sunday, Sunday, and you'd take eight hours to get there. That's right, yeah. yeah. And you'd have treatment, and then you'd come back on the same day, on, on, on the Monday, on the Monday, the Monday twenty-four yeah, yeah. hours That's late. right, yeah, yeah. And then you'd go to work on the Tuesday. That's right, yeah. Which yeah. is which is uh, must have been extremely difficult. Yeah, absolutely, extremely for that, and that was for two years. Yeah. Um, but on Sunday when I travelled uh, over uh, to Pamplona, I had my blood test done th- that evening, so that the doctors had the uh, the blood results uh, on in in the morning. Uh, I had treatments. Uh, the treatment at the beginning, uh, the, f- the first couple of months were, were really horrible, <laughs> um, and uh, but then then I got the train the train back uh, at three thirty. Uh, after the treatment, at times I fi- I, fi- I finished the treatment at three o'clock or, t- or quarter to three, uh, and I've just got the taxi outside the clinic and straight to the to the uh, to the train. You didn't uh, want to so s- spend more time than no, you needed in a clinical other- setting. Otherwise, then you would spend more time in Pamplona than in Gibraltar. So I was going to miss um, obviously miss my family, my 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 life, basically part of my life. So 
uh, that's what I wanted to to do, and that's what I I did. Yeah, uh, obviously a lot of uh, help from my family and my friends. Uh, um i cannot forget all the help that i that i got for, from my friends and my family uh, especially my wife and my children um uh, one uh, at that time um one was studying in uh, was just about to go to study to uh, um to uk um my little one was literally was she um um she was only 11 uh, my older uh, son was um uh, was just about to buy a house uh, as well, so and I, I wasn't there for him. So and there were a lot of uh, things happening in my life, and I didn't want to miss that. Obviously, uh, my my wife was there with me, supporting me all the time, uh, which was uh, obviously very very important. Must have been crucial, uh, huh? absolutely, absolutely crucial. Yeah, yeah. But it must uh, have been very hard on her as well. Absolutely. I mean. Um, we were trying to she was trying to run the family and be with me so it's um it was very very difficult for her and i mean i can't thank her enough for all the support that she she gave me yeah and and um you you had three months of chemotherapy then you did radiotherapy uh, during that time were you able to remain hopeful yes i did yeah yeah i did uh, at the beginning the Three months of chemotherapy and the month of therapy was to reduce the the tumor. Uh, at, at at the beginning, the tumor could not be uh, could be uh, uh, operated. So, uh, I uh, it, uh, was uh, lucky enough that the tumor re- reduced over fifty percent. Um, so they were able to perform surgery. And that was in January sixteen. Um, but the the problem was that the uh, the cancer that I had spots in my abdominal wall, uh, and uh, yes, it, that's the cancer just didn't go away. And um, I had different treatments. I had about uh, must must have been seven or eight keyhole surgeries to remove different spots. Uh, even my belly button went uh, went away, um, and um, and the, yeah, but the the, the uh, two or three. Uh, chemotherapy treatments did not take away the cancer, uh, so they they offered me the clinical trial, uh, which started in uh, in the uh, November seventeen uh, for two years, and those were the two years that I had to travel to Pamplona every single week, Sunday, and back Monday. Yeah, and the result of the clinical trial was. Positive. They managed to reduce the size of your. No, they, yeah, the, the clinical trial uh, got rid of the of the cancer, basically. So, yeah. so, 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 so the chemotherapy and the radiotherapy had reduced the size of your o- tumor, the tumor by the, about fifty percent. Yeah, the, the, the tumor reduced fifty percent. They were able to do surgery, take off my spleen, uh, adrenal gland, your part, stum- part of your stomach, part of my stomach, uh, half of my pancreas. Uh, all that went away in January sixteen. Uh, and then, but the uh, the spots in the abdominal pain, abdominal uh, wall, the the cancer still was there. So I had different treatments that just didn't work. Uh, and uh, but I remained hopeful all the time. Uh, another one, another treatment. Uh, let's go for this one. Let's go for that. Let's do this. Uh, I had other health conditions that had setback uh, that that I had to suffer, like a septic shock. Uh, uh, hemorrhage uh, in my stomach, uh, but uh, I just stayed positive. Just carried on, as I said, Jonathan. I just had to, 
I I had in my head that the pancreatic cancer was not going to kill me, and uh, and I, uh, I I as I said I I had to accept and and I and I put that out to everybody. Uh, you have to accept that you're going to have a very very difficult time, and you cannot if you know you're going to have difficult times, don't complain when you have it. You know it's, you're going to get it, so when it, when it hits you, just fight. Uh, that's the way I thought about it and motivated myself. And I was lucky enough that the clinical trial worked for me. Um, and yeah, uh, and I said, and I, said I, I think I mentioned before, doctors told me um, that in Pablona that uh, the success was mainly due to my mental strength and my uh, stubbornness in carrying on fighting and Persisting. carrying on. And carry on. Yeah. Well, I don't think anyone would argue that you're, you're a fighter. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, think so. <laughs> in, in the best possible sense. <laughs> I think so. um, there, there are people getting in touch to say that uh, that they too are, are a glass half full uh, person. Uh, Bev, thank you for getting in touch. Life is precious, says Bev, uh, and amazing if we just open our eyes and really look around us of course there are negative events and negative people but we have to appreciate how lucky we are um, when there is so much suffering in the world uh, we need to do our best to spread positivity and that could help others uh, thank you bev uh, for for getting in touch and and given how important that message of hope is uh, we've got a song that i know is important to you by erin willett mm -hmm. tell us why this song is important to you lewis uh, well, yeah, it's the Edding Willett. Um, uh, her father passed away of pancreatic uh, years back, and uh, she, I think, she came second in the equivalent of the Voice uh, um, program uh, in the in in uh, in, the, in America, uh, and she created a what's now recognised as the pancreatic uh, cancer anthem. Uh, I got in touch with her, uh, and she agreed to come over to Gibraltar all over for, uh, from the from the USA. Uh, she came she came over to Gibraltar just for that to sing the song, <laughs> and she did um, in the Grand Battery. Um, um, yeah, I think it was November eighteen. Twenty eighteen, correctly. Uh, and uh, yeah, when the Moorish Castle was, was lit, and uh, it was very absolutely a very emotional day for me. Yeah. Well, let's let's have a, a listen to it. Erin Willett, Hope's Alive on Radio Gibraltar, uh, a song that uh, uh, it's full of meaning, isn't it, Lewis? Uh, talking about the worst night of your life, but uh, a loved one being by your side and keeping hope alive with you. That's right, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a very, very beautiful song. Uh, um, she, as I said, she came over uh, in November 18, uh, just to, especially to sing that song in the event in Grand Battery. And actually, my uh, a few weeks later, uh, with another, another another event, uh, which was a a um, a, uh, a concert and event in the Isasol, and uh, my my daughter um, <clears throat> sang. Uh, sorry, danced. Danced to, to it, to, no? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, must have meant a lot to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was very very emotional. Yeah. Um, I, I can't imagine how difficult uh, recent years have been uh, for you and your family, but I suppose um, given how poor the 
um, survival rate is for people with pancreatic mm. cancer, you, yeah. you, you must count your blessings and feel extremely lucky. Absolutely, yes. I mean, um, um, going back and remembering all those years, uh, obviously uh, it's emotional, but then I look at myself now and I mean, I, I live a normal, absolutely normal life. I mean, uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned before, uh, I, I go on holidays, I'm going now to to Vienna for the Christmas markets. Ah, beautiful. Uh, um, um, yeah, yeah, it's five, cold, minus huh? five and a six, minus yeah, five. minus five and a six, I think. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I said, I just go on holidays, normal holidays. Uh, I saw this year my one of my sons got married uh, in in June. Um, Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Uh, sorry, it was July. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I go I go out every day, I go shopping, uh, uh, whatever. What, what, it's just a healthy, normal life. And what I look at, I, I see myself now, um uh, i was um uh, it's it brings back uh, how um uh, how how, how uh, the important decision that i took to never lose hope to carry on fighting how important that was and because obviously i i was lucky enough to to uh, to to be as a, a survivor yeah yeah now Luis, um we we know that uh, you know surgery uh, is improving, uh, surgeons are becoming more specialised and slowly uh, in Spain where you received your, your treatment um, uh, survival rates are creeping up but it's still they're still much lower than, than they should be uh, uh, in particular because uh, the uh, cancer can be very aggressive and it can move very quickly from stage 1 to stage 4. That's right, actually pancreatic cancer can move from uh, stage 1 to stage 4 in within one year. So it 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 brings to uh, brings the uh, how important it is to to act quickly if you feel those symptoms uh, um, as a massive difference to get you obvious from if you are stage one or stage four. Uh, so um, and the for the pancreas where it's located in your body, it's uh, within the vital organs of your body. So uh, if it moves uh, from stage one to stage four. There you, are, your other organs are going to be uh, affected, so uh, that's uh, why the importance, and that's why we want to push for the uh, for uh, to push awareness to both to the uh, medical professionals and to the public. So a reminder what, then that the the, the the all important symptoms to look out for: back pain, indigestion, indigestion, stomach, yeah, stomach, uh, stomach pain, indigestion, your your bath hab, uh, habits change, your stools. Changes, um, jaundice as well, uh, your yellowing of your eyes and your skin. Uh, the, um, but those those are very vague symptoms which can be related to any other conditions. So the person doesn't really realize it could be cancer, so he doesn't go to the doctor. And maybe as well, the doctor thinks that it's not pancreatic cancer because obviously it could be any other condition. So what we are trying to work with the GHA now is to introduce a vague symptoms pathway so if the gp uh, suspects of uh, pancreatic uh, then they to do all those tests uh, all the relevant tests that can be done at a at a shorter time that uh, 
the at a shorter time yeah right uh, we're almost out of time mr valakino but i know that you wanted to talk uh, about um tomorrow's uh, awareness day it's world pancreatic cancer day what have you got planned uh, we are doing a um, an awareness day uh, outside the the hospital of st bernard's uh, in the podium uh, arranged by the gha and, uh, and ourselves so i encourage everybody to 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 go there to visit a stand um to talk to us any any um, and of any issues that may have uh, and also on the day as well um, we have the wear purple day uh, where we encourage people to to wear purple uh, as i said before uh, we've got a very good support from supermarket shops restaurants uh, and other um, uh, companies, uh, corporate companies as well, okay. that, do, uh, well, well that, that they're doing that. Are doing that uh. GBC will report on your awareness day tomorrow and also on your table tennis event. That's right. Yeah, the the Gibraltar Tennis uh, Table Tennis Association is organised uh, next Saturday, the twenty fifth, uh, and uh, an open tournament, uh, uh, doubles tournament. Uh, I think they have ten pounds, if I remember correctly, registration for, per person. And that's in the MUGA at, uh, on Saturday, the 25th, at uh, from 10am in the morning. Yeah. Um, Lewis, I think you've inspired a lot of people. We've, we've had a, lo- uh, a, a number of listeners getting in touch to say words similar to this, and I'm going to leave the final message to, to John, who's been in touch today. John Cruz, thank you. Uh, John said... Uh, well done, Mr. Valdagino. Keep fighting, stay positive, keep strong. And we look forward to talking to you again very soon here on Radio Gibraltar. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.